In this episode, a newly married vegetarian comes face to face with a taxidermy animal, and as a result, uncovers a story that involves an eccentric millionaire, an artist in France, and a very mysterious death. That newly married vegetarian? Well, that would be me. You are listening to You at Home, a podcast about people and their belongings. I'm Hannah Smith. Three days after Sam and I got married, we packed all our stuff into a truck and moved our lives across the country. It was during the packing phase that Sam reached deep into his storage unit and pulled out something that I had not seen before. He was so proud and excited to show me what he called his most prized possession, a four-foot-long taxidermy pig. Now, I'm a vegetarian, and not for health reasons, for I love animals reasons. Sam is also a vegetarian, and so this pig revelation was shocking and kind of disturbing. Also, this pig is not in good shape. This is Sam describing the pig. Both of his ears are missing. He only has one hoof left. His snout's gone. His eyes have been sewn shut. He's got lots of hair. Wherever his like snout or feet are ripped off, the stuffing is falling out of him. He smells terrible. But there is one really magnificent quality to this pig. It has wings. It has two colorful tattoos on its sides of wings. As Sam and I began our new lives in Los Angeles, the tattooed taxidermy pig lived in our garage. And although I never really got used to the idea of it, it was just sort of out of sight, out of mind. Until a few years later when we had to move apartments and our new apartment has no storage no garage, no dark corner to stuff the pig in, which presented the problem of what to do with the pig. So after some conversation, we both agreed it might be time to get rid of the pig. But Sam didn't want to just throw it away. He insisted that it should be returned to its rightful owner. Except he didn't really know who that was. And so I decided to find out and thus began my mission to figure out where this pig belongs and to get it out of my house. First, I needed to figure out this pig's history. Okay, let's start with where did you get the pig? I got the pig from Stanley Marsh in Amarillo, Texas. Who is Stanley Marsh? Stanley was this philanthropic, millionaire, eccentric guy that lived in Amarillo. He was always doing stuff that ended up in the news, and you would hear about it. How did you meet Stanley? I always knew of him growing up in that area, but I only met him when I had the idea to make a documentary about him and what he was doing. Okay, let's take a minute and talk about Stanley Marsh. He was a wealthy businessman and television station owner in Amarillo, Texas. 
But he was more well-known for his involvement with public art installations and for pulling bizarre pranks. He had this reputation. There was something strange going on. There was something strange going on with him, with the crew that he hung out with. There were weird signs that they put up all over the place. Stanley and a group of his employees installed thousands of fantastical road signs all over Amarillo, known as the Dynamite Museum. The signs said things like, Undead End, or Cats Cannot Be Trusted, This Is No Joke. He also once dyed a cow pasture green, turning it into a 180-foot pool table with oversized billiard balls. Even his name was unusual. Born Stanley Marsh III, he changed the Roman numeral to the Arabic number three, becoming Stanley Marsh III because he felt Roman numerals were pretentious. What do you think he's most well-known for? If someone's heard of Stanley Marsh, it's probably because of the Cadillac Ranch. We were just coming over this little rise on Route 66 west of Amarillo, and I said, will you look over there? That looks for all the world like 10 Cadillacs nosed down in a wheat field. This is a clip of the show On the Road from the mid-70s. Charles Kuralt is interviewing Stanley Marsh at the Cadillac Ranch. When people say to you, uh, what are those... Uh, 10 Cadillacs doing out there in your wheat field, uh, what do you answer? Depends on who they are. When I get a chance, I lie to them. I tell them it's for an Elvis Presley movie or it's for Evil Knievel to jump over, or maybe it's the caddy cult and it's the new mother church for a home religion. The Cadillac Ranch was conceptualized by the art collective Ant Farm, funded by Stanley Marsh, and installed in 1974. Later in this video, Stanley gives Ant Farm credit for the project. Although in multiple other press interviews, he doesn't mention them at all. And it is unclear if this was intentional or the result of repeated journalistic oversight. In 2009, Sam and his brother Matt filmed a short documentary on Stanley Marsh. I don't know. I, I always thought he was kind of like an evil guy. I was raised a little bit more conservatively. And then when I got older, I got less conservative. I wanted to kind of face that and look at it directly and see what he, what, what he was up to. Amarillo is a fairly conventional Texas panhandle town, and Stanley was an oddball, which would have been enough in and of itself to make him suspicious. But then he also did things like only hire teenage boys to work for him who were known to run around town partying and causing a ruckus. He also maintained a long-standing feud with the Wittenbergs, another powerful family in town, that culminated in a lawsuit against Stanley for allegedly locking one of the Wittenberg kids up in a chicken coop after he stole one of Stanley's signs. So then how did the pig get involved? So while we were filming Stanley, we became aware of this tattooed taxidermied pig that he had in his office. We found out that there was this folk art gallery just outside of Dallas that really wanted this pig that Stanley had. And they had written him several letters asking if they could have the pig to display it in their gallery. And Stanley would write back to them and said, no, I don't want the pig in your gallery, but I don't want you to walk away empty-handed. And so he would tape a penny to the letter. And so my 
brother and I just became really interested in the pig after that and why Stanley wouldn't give it to the gallery and what was going on with the pig. They thought maybe the pig could be a plot point in the documentary. So eventually I asked Stanley, okay, if if you're not going to give it to the gallery, like, would you give it to me? At the time, I think we just had this mission to get the pig in one way or the other. Okay, so then you asked Stanley for the pig, and what happened next? So when I asked when I asked Stanley for the pig, he wasn't very keen on me having the pig, but I think that he liked me. So he said, I'll give you the pig only if you give me something really valuable to you in exchange. I think he used the word hostage. Like, if you're going to take the pig hostage, I'm going to take something of yours hostage. I decided that I wanted to know more about that. So Sam and I searched through his old hard drives and found the documentary footage. It has hours of tape. I started watching through it, and I found the very moment this hostage swap took place. This is Sam when he was 24, talking with Stanley Marsh. What if, what if I wanted the pig at my house for, for a little bit? How long is a little bit? A couple months. What would you give me as hostage? As hostage. That's the best way to get to change hostages. What have you got as valuable as a tattooed pig? I won't give it, but I'll exchange it as a hostage. Has to be something really precious to your heart. All right. Well, then we'll talk about it tomorrow, and we'll see if we can take exchange hostages. Okay. Deal? Deal. Okay. So I went away for a few days, thought about what I had that was valuable to me, and that I could trade for the pig. And I decided that I would try to trade the first painting that I ever made, which in retrospect is not that valuable. I'm not a painter. The painting really holds no value. So I took the painting to Stanley and said, would you trade the pig for this? This is the first painting I ever made. And Stanley like looked at it for a while. And then finally he was just like, well, it's a bad deal, but I'll let you have the pig anyways. And so we traded, but I think he knew it was, <laughs> I think he knew it wasn't a good deal. What was the painting? What was the painting of? It was, there was this painting by an artist named Catherine Ryan that I had always liked. And so it was me trying to rip off and duplicate that painting, hmm. which Stanley would have actually appreciated that it was a rip off. Why do you say that? Because Stanley had the all, like, Stanley's office was full, wall to wall, with incredible artwork from huge artists. And halfway through the documentary, we talked to him about it, and they were all fakes. He had had someone recreate all these paintings. None of them were real. There was one John Chamberlain painting that was real. Pretty much every big artist name that you can think of from the last hundred years, he had a ripoff. How do you know it was a ripoff? He told you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, he was proud of it. So maybe he would have appreciated that the painting that I gave him was a ripoff. <laughs> I never thought of that before. Here's another clip from the documentary. 
In it, Stanley is revealing that the paintings are fakes, or improvements, as he called them. Just to give you context, hanging on the walls in his office are several paintings, including a Jackson Pollock, a Roy Lichtenstein, and a couple of Mark Rothko's. All of these paintings are for our, I painted, and they are better than the originals because I improved on them. You know, you could improve on Paradise Lost if you could have got it today and just rewrite it a little. Some of the words are obscure, some was messy. I can't think of anything that couldn't be improved on. But I kept the good parts of the paintings and I threw out the bad. Stanley later explained that he actually hired a local artist to do the paintings, but he considered himself the artist because it was his idea. So, Sam made the trade with Stanley for the tattooed, taxidermied pig, but the pig never made it into the documentary. He lost touch with Stanley, so the original idea of a few months turned into years. He said, in the back of his mind, he always thought one day he would return the pig to Stanley. And then Stanley died, and he wasn't sure what to do, so he just kept the pig. But this does beg the question, was Stanley the rightful owner of the pig? And if so, what do we do with it now? And then one day as we were talking, Sam said, I'm not sure where the pig came from. I just know it used to run around on Stanley's ranch. Wait, what? Somehow this was the first time that I realized this stuffed pig used to be a living tattooed pig. Perhaps if I could find out who tattooed the pig, it would lead me to its rightful owner. Did Stanley say anything to you about the pig? Explain what it was or where it came from or anything? He told me he told me that the pig had flown in through the window of the office, had flown into the in through the window one day. Stanley's office was on the twelfth floor, so the pig couldn't have flown in through the window. Also, pigs can't fly. So that's not where it came from. And then, while watching through the footage, I found one of many discrepancies when it comes to Stanley Marsh. Here's an instance where Sam asked him again where the pig came from, and he says something completely different. How did you get that pig? Lewis Carroll gave him to me. He was an old family friend. I'm so old, I used to have Lewis Carroll sit. He used to have my little sister sit on his knee, but he'd, I'd sit next to him. He would say, the time has come, the walrus said, to talk of many things, of seas and sea, cheese and sealing wax and cabbages and kings, and if the sea is boiling hot and whether pigs have wings. Just to be super clear, Lewis Carroll died in 1898. So this is also not a possible explanation of where the pig came from. And so the search continued. While I was trying to figure this out, I told several friends what I was doing. And then one day, a friend in Texas texted me a photo he saw in a coffee table book. The photo is of a pig with tattooed wings. Below the photo is the name of an artist, Andy Feehan. 
So after doing some online searching, I found a blog by Andy Feehan published in 2002 entitled Tattooed Pigs and Hairless Dogs. Bingo. In the blog, Andy talks about his graduate school thesis in which he tattooed wings onto a living pig back in 1976. A pig that he eventually gave to Stanley Marsh in Amarillo, Texas. A pig that he named Minnesota. The very same pig that we now have. In the search for the proper owner of the pig, it seemed like I had made a very significant discovery. Is Andy Feehan the rightful owner of the tattooed taxidermy pig? I was one step closer to getting this thing out of my house, but my viewpoint toward the pig had started to change. Now he has a name and a history. I was curious about Minnesota's life and how he came to be tattooed. I found an email address for Andy, and I composed an email to him. I introduced myself, told him that I had read his blog, and asked if he would talk to me about Minnesota. He wrote back the next day and agreed to talk. He also said this, I've been trying to find Minnesota's remains for a while now. He was treated with gross disrespect. And as the artist, I have the legal and moral right to reclaim him because he was my work and because my work was mutilated. We set up a time for a phone call. I hadn't told Andy that we have Minnesota, and I was nervous about how he might react to finding this out. Hello? Hi, Anne. It's Andy. Sorry, I had my phone off there. I'm on now. Well, tell me about the about Minnesota's remains. How did you find um, the skin or whatever it is now? I don't know. Well, yeah, so basically the main reason that I wanted to reach out to you was be- because Sam and I actually have Minnesota and, oh, you know, you the remains, yeah. Oh, and, I don't know, how, how how did you even know that I was looking for him? Well, I, mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't know that you were looking for him, actually. I just, um, so Sam had him and he's from Plainview, Texas. Andy and his family moved to France years ago, but he still has an unmistakable Texas accent. He is the kind of guy that immediately puts you at ease in conversation. I told him the whole story of how Sam came to be in possession of the pig and how my search had led to his blog. You know, I wrote that blog years ago. It it was so long ago, it's not part of what I'm concerned with anymore as an artist, but I just thought that I, I should at least leave the story up just to kind of keep the whole thing sorted. I, I really w- was trying to save his life. That's what I was doing. The idea was to have a living creature. You know, that was the idea. It was not about an object. It was not about a, a, a souvenir mm-hmm. or, um, you know, a stuffed um, animal. It was completely the opposite of what I was trying to do. So it seems that Minnesota was never supposed to exist as a stuffed pig. He is an object that was never supposed to be an object. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. It's so long ago. I processed all that a long time ago, and I let it go. You You can't go around being angry. 
I did what I set out to do. I discovered the origins of the tattooed stuffed pig, Minnesota. But along the way, a new mystery emerged. Andy Feehan tattooed Minnesota in 1976. What happened to him between then and now? Join me next episode as I go back in time. It's all part of the madness. To the 1970s in rural Texas. They did it to him. They killed him, you know, in a way that wouldn't leave a mark. And uncover the story of an artist and a millionaire at odds. And the pig that got caught in the middle. Photos from this episode and previous episodes, you can go to my website, youathomepodcast.com. If you like what I'm doing with this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to Sam Smith and Andy Feehan for sharing your stories. And thank you to Sam and Matt Smith for letting me use your documentary footage. My awesome cover art is by Savannah McAnally. The track Detective One is by Mackenzie Stubbert. The track Wild West Guitar is by Presto Sound, and the rest of the music is from Poddington Bear. Also, thank you to everyone who gave me feedback for this episode. You at Home is made by me, Hannah Smith. Thank you for listening.